Hi, folks. This is Gospel of Kennison, episode 46, brought to you the week of October 28, 2014. This is the personal audio journal of James Kennison. You can find, yeah. you can find out more about what I do uh, at nlcast.com. What I'm going to talk about today is uh, I'm not nervous to talk about it. I just know that there is a possibility that I'm going to offend somebody. And as much as I would love to be the guy that says, I don't care if I offend people, I'm going to say what I believe and I'm going to stand by it and all this kind of stuff. Well, I've lived long enough to know now that I don't know everything. And there's a lot of things that I used to say and believe stand behind that I do not anymore because I've learned as I go along that a lot of what I believed was garbage and that there is a reality to things about God, things about Christ that um, go beyond what I understand and even understand currently. Um, so it's not that I'm afraid that I'm going to offend people so much as I'm afraid I'm going to offend people and, and they'll be right, but I'm just going to, you know, I, I could very easily just say, I don't care. I do not care about what everybody says, but I, I don't feel that way. But I don't know how else to say it. What I what I will say is this. That I'm just going to talk about my daughter bumping into other religions at her school. And you will have to understand that I have a preference. <laughs> my religious preference would be that I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ as best as I can. And... Um, and and that's going to have to just be okay for this discussion. Um, and and there's a second thing that I might talk about, but I probably won't. All right, get my head together here. My daughter is nine years old. She goes to a public school. She goes there, uh, and that's a big deal because this is the first year she's been at a public school. She's always been at a Christian school, and that's because the job that I was working at the time had a benefit, and that benefit was free private school, and it, and it was a really good deal. When I first heard my potential boss tell me about it, I was a little nervous because I was like, oh, man, every Christian school I've ever heard of has been small and just kind of dingy. And so I was like, dang it, if it stinks, we're going to have to send our kid. It's not like we can't. We can't not send our kid to this school if it's part of the church thing, you know. But luckily, it turned out to be a really great school, one of the best ones in the, in the city, if you ask me, especially on the... um 
well, the facilities are great. The teachers are great. The, uh, the administrators are great. And the education is great. Um, but when I, when I, you know, lost my, or I gave up my job due to complications from depression, bipolar, anxiety, the whole, the whole shamil, um, we lost, uh, they, oh, they gave us a great deal. And so we got to get to keep the kids there for another, another season, another year. But then this year, you know, that we didn't even ask, I, I wouldn't have asked and I'm sure they would have not been able to offer it. So we had planned for them to go into public school. So now, you know, you know, now you know their history, both my son and my daughter, uh, you know, are in public school for the first time. And I, I have always, you know, kind of prided myself on um, my worldliness. And, and you're going to have to understand what I mean by that. I mean that I know about the world. I am not sheltered in any way. Um, if you make a joke about something to do with pop culture or some song that's on the radio, um, I'm going to get it. Probably. And um, I'm not the clueless person, um, like, like a pastor that I respect highly. But he was very—he's a very sheltered man, and he used to say um, he would—he would preach this one sermon about Paul and Peter and how they faced off and all this kind of stuff. And he would say every Paul has a Peter, and people would laugh, and he would never know why. He just probably thought that they thought it was funny, Peter being another name for um a man thing <laughs> that sounded like a kindergartner uh so every paul has a peter becomes you know funny well i i'm i'm far from the guy that wouldn't get that okay doesn't mean i'm dirty minded i i'm actually uh i think i'm pretty balanced actually um but i've also i've just kind of attributed also that, that my my kids are that way too I just assumed because I don't keep them, you know, my daughter read Harry Potter, you know, um, actually we read it together. Actually, I read it to her. Uh, we watch, um, you know, Christmas specials and Halloween specials and, and stuff like that. You know, we, we let them dress up in costumes and get candy, uh, you know, so we're, we're pretty, I guess what you would say, liberal Christians, but I hate to use that word because people that aren't turn you off so hard by basically just saying, well, you're just not a good as, as good of a Christian as you should be, or as I am. And that's not the case. I just have, have, as I've gone on in my life and because the way I was raised and stuff, I don't see some things or many things, uh, as a problem. I, I don't see reading my daughter Harry Potter, a, a book that is obviously fantasy. Um, I don't see that as as something that is bad. Um, I don't see you know no more than I saw Pokemon as as an evil thing, and before that, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Rangers, uh, <laughs> Power Rangers, and then around there, uh, before that was 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, everything that's fun and cool. Oh, and before that was Scooby-Doo, and, and, and before that it was God knows what else. There's always been something in pop culture that Christianity in general has hated on and we think is of the devil. And then, fi- and then later on, Chris Rice writes the song, What If Cartoons Got Saved? And everything from Smurfs to, to Scooby-Doo is all of a sudden this cute little story. And all the kids that were supposed to, you know, be growing up and becoming slaves of Pokemon have actually grown up with absolutely no problems whatsoever to do with Pokemon. Um, and also the kids of the Harry Potter scare of the 2000s and such um, have have none of them that I know of. I've, I've never I haven't heard of one child that has become. <laughs> Uh, a servant of the dark Lord Satan um, because of Harry Potter. Um, so all that to say that, that my experience and, and what I read in the Bible and how I live out my faith may be a little different and less stringent on the surface than, than maybe what others do. But I save my disciplines and, and what I think is important and my, my energies and my spiritual energy for, for the things that really in my mind matter because growing up, I saw a lot of let's stay away from movies. Let's stay away from processed foods or sugars, or let's stay away from, you know, or let's, let's attack demons. You know, let's do all these things. But yet, you know, we will have an affair on our, on our wife, or, you know, sleep with someone before we're married. You know, all the things that they would preach from the pulpit never seemed to make it home, you know? And so, as an adult, I kind of don't give two craps about the fact that probably 58 to 90% of Christianity would say, you shouldn't have just said crap as a Christian um, because that is literally the worst word I ever will say um, is crap. It's also my favorite word. And they will say, well, it's an attitude of the heart. And I will say, no, no, you know, well, if it is, then look in my heart and see that when I say crap, I mean bad thing. I don't mean it as a replacement for, another word. I don't even think that way. And that doesn't make me better than anybody else. What it does mean though, is that I know that the, that 85% of Christianity that, that would say, I shouldn't say crap. They probably about 59 to 60% of those folks, maybe even 75 to 80 when they hit their finger with a hammer or when their wife makes them mad or their kid does something stupid, they lash out with some sort of language um, that's something I don't, I don't deal with. I used to swear like a sailor when I was middle schooler, I swear, I swore worse than a middle school, uh, a sailor because middle schoolers should be the new standard by which we measure swearing because they abuse it and do it so much, um, that it's like how youth pastors pray there. You know, you know, what I'm talking about they say, Lord God, too many times. Um, we come to you, Lord God, and we thank you, Lord God, for your grace, Lord God, and your mercy, Lord God, and we ask you, Lord God, you know, that that's the way middle schoolers swear, is every other word. 
Um, so again, you know, the fear of being misunderstood or, or being, um, you know, offensive. What I'm trying to, what I'm trying to establish here is that you might look at me at the surface in my family at the very surface and you say, Oh wow. They don't even go to church every Sunday. Um, you know, and when he goes, he carries an iPad. He doesn't even bring a Bible. Um, but if you were to look hard, and this is the part where I feel like I'm going to offend more people than anything because you can't talk about the things that you do without seeming self-righteous. So I'll try to be vague and just say that maybe, maybe that Jen and I um, are disciplined in areas that a lot of other people aren't. Uh, and I mean a lot of other people. Um, primarily, we have always been um, faithful with our tithe to the point that I can say that even when the darkness came of, of the depression, the bipolar, you know, the, the, the pain and the suffering and, and the loss of jobs and the, and the friends that turned their backs on us and the, the people that suddenly just disappeared and evaporated when our faith just dried up, you know, not that God left us, but we left him, you know, not just spiritually speaking. Um, when all that stuff happened, we quit going to church. We didn't even look for one for a while. You know, uh, there were no prayers going out or coming in that I know of, but we were faithful with our giving. And, uh, that's that's not a brag thing, but it's one of those things, like I said, on the surface, it would look like, oh, they're really struggling. And we were. But underneath the surface, there were things going on behind the scenes that that I, I feel are very important. And, and those would be things like, like giving, tithe. It's one of the few things we're absolutely commanded to do. Loving others, um, being patient. Uh, kind, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, self-control, the fruits of the spirit, you know, um, love is patient, love is kind, you know, the, the love chapter, all, all these things. And, and then of course the, the greatest um, commandment of all, the greatest commission uh, go in all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And I will be with you until the end of the age. The, the most avoided, part of Christianity, if you ask me, is is sticking to that. We're judged by how well we sing, how many times we go to church, how many scriptures we can quote, how many uh, Christian t-shirts we own, how many festivals and conferences we go to, how many the, the books that we've read, the Christian movies that we've seen. Um, we're judged, we judge each other, Christianity does, by those things. At least the surface on the surface we do, but yet we gossip, we don't give, we judge others. We're when we're outside of the context of church or or, or whatever, like at a dinner, we're mean to the waitresses. We don't tip as a people. It's really really crazy, hard thing for me to understand. And we have these things that we we do. Like we hate it when people work on Sunday and we will say, oh, wow, I, well, we'll just pray that your husband can, 
change his job so he can come on Sundays, and we'll just think that's the worst thing in the world. But then we love to go out to eat after service and um, create the need for people to work on Sunday. We definitely love that. And I'll be the first to admit it. I, the only part I hate about Chick-fil-A is their their com- convictions. <laughs> only because I only ever want you know Chick-fil-A on Sundays. But... Okay, so I'm saying all that to say that that's just the way we live our life. There's some things that I don't sweat because I do sweat the big stuff. I, I do take it seriously. I'm not perfect at it all. Definitely not. Always growing and changing and rearranging priorities and you know, just basically uh, staying fluid uh, to allow God to, to mold me and, and, and change me and my family as he sees fit. And, um, you know, it's not like something I, I see or can feel or experience. And, but it's just one of those deals. Like if you're walking down the street, you might kind of get lost in thought, but when you look back, you're like, Oh, I've, I've come a little ways. Uh, and I'm sure God, you know, life without God is kind of like that as well. Anything worth doing probably is, but, um, I can look back and see, um, that our faithfulness has resulted overall in, um, well, no, I don't even say that. I don't even want to say that. I'm just going to say God's been faithful. He's been faithful. We're faithful because of him. Not He's not faithful because of us. And that's what I was accidentally going to say. And that is something that is kind of a popular myth is that if you do these things, God will then do these things. And there is, there is that. God does limit himself by how his people pray, for instance. Uh, I, I do believe that. Um, but at the same time, if if that was true ninety nine or one hundred percent of the time, um, Christian there would be no Christians because um, you know God God works on people before they come to Him. So there's that. Anyway, all eighteen minutes later, all that to say that I assumed because of the way we live and the way we do things that my kids. Um, enjoyed um, the same kind of thing that they just were naturally being exposed to the same thing. And, and, and I'm going to say all this to say that that's not the case that yes, they, they hold some pretty awesome views on things and yes, they are uh, worldly in, in the best sense of the word, meaning they, they know how the world works. They have a, uh, I think a Christ centered uh, viewpoint on the way things are in the world. But they were awfully sheltered in their Christian school. That's what I've been trying to get to this whole time. Pretty darn sheltered in their Christian school. And I really didn't realize how much. Because I always assumed we were balancing that out. But we were at a place that was pretty much a monotone congregation. And when I say monotone, I mean white people. And, and, the, the church that I had come out of, the church I spent 13 years at, um, or the better part of 10 years, I'm saying, it w- was definitely multicultural, you know, to the point of 50% white, 50% black, 20% a- or 40, 40, and 20% Asian Hispanic. And um, so my, my whole world had been not only, you know, racially diverse, but, uh, um, you know, economically diverse because there's, there's a whole set there's, you know, you can say, Oh, white people, black people, 
But then there's poor black people and poor white people. And there's rich, you know, or well-off or middle, middle, whatever, white people and black folks. And um, I've found, you know, that, that uh, diversity amongst uh, economics uh, seemed to stick out a whole lot more than just the racial thing. Because people that make about the same kind of money usually, typically, uh, behave about the same way. And live in the same neighborhoods and so on and so forth. So I had had this, you know, past and, and I somehow imagine since my daughter was there in that, since she was three, well, no, she didn't remember any of it. So she's been uber protected and sheltered in here. Okay. So all that now we're, now we're back at school. We're in a public school and it's been, you know, two or three months, I guess, since school started August, September, October, two months. Has it only been that long? And, um, Almost immediately, I started realizing this is going to be really good for my kids. And uh, this is another area that I'm, I'm not fearful, but I assume I'm going to uh, uh, upset people that feel a certain way. Um, but you got to understand, for me and my family, this is what works, and this is it. I am glad that my kids are in a public school. Uh, I'm not thrilled about the educational abilities of this place but my daughter came home uh, within a couple of days heartbroken so this this girl had told her that she lives with her grandparents because her mom abandoned her this was something that was commonplace at my old church everybody had grandparents you know just about that raised them and helped out and it was just it's the thing but my daughter had never experienced this in her upper upper white middle class school and i explained it to her what happens and things like that oh it's an opportunity to share with her and recently as in last night i mean we talked about it before but last night it really really came to a head when we were talking about the kids religion she said she went to a class yeah, that she had signed up for about um, not diversity training, but some sort of little class on how to make friends with other people. Okay. So culture comes into it and religion comes into it. And Jenna was very surprised to find out about the other religions that these kids had. And one of them, she says, I've got a friend and she believes in Jesus, but she doesn't believe he died on a cross. And she believes this and that and the other. And it didn't take too long for me to figure out that, you know, we, we've got, we got, um, you know, somebody that uh, is, is a Mormon, I believe, in there. I, I get kind of confused with Jehovah's Witness. And, and I, I want to say she's probably Jehovah's Witness and the Seventh-day Adventist. But anyway, um, I'm very familiar with the, with the belief system. They believe they, that he was hung on a pole. They also believe he was not the son of God. He was a son of God that were all sons of God, including Lucifer and, and Christ and Gabriel and all this kind of stuff. And that's, that's fine. Whatever they want to believe. Um, that, that's not what I'm here to debate. What I'm here to say, I'm not here to debate anything right now, um, is that I am – very, 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 very happy that my daughter is having her faith tested. Um, she's she's met a Muslim. Um, didn't understand all about it. Talked to her. Told her the history. 
uh, of of the uh, the Israeli people and the and the Muslim faith and all this stuff. And what else did she? She bumped into somebody else. Oh, oh, talking about karma. Some of these girls talking about karma at school. And I said, well, she could have been joking. A lot of people talk about my karma this or in my next life that. But I, I went into it. And I said, you know, this is basically Eastern religions, Buddhist, Buddhism. And they believe in the universe. And, you know, you put energy out to the universe and the universe brings back uh, ener- you know, energy or positive energy. And that's your karma. That's, that's how I understand it anyway. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. And the, these are the stories the ones I just shared that, that force or, you know, make most people or, or a lot of people, I would say think, Oh my goodness, I got to pull my kid out of school. I got, I got a homeschool and I'm not going to paint everybody with brush and say that this is why people do this. Um, but it is a reason. And it's also the educational stuff. I understand that. Um, but we have decided to homeschool um, at, at, at home supplementally, meaning we're still sending them to school. They, they're just doing some work at home, math, especially reading comprehension, grammar and handwriting. Cause I just don't think they do enough work at this school. We were, we were kind of spoiled in that the educational program at this place, this old place was awesome. Um, and it wasn't their fault. They're not diverse. It, well, maybe it is. I don't know. But anyway, the um, so last night I'm putting her to bed, and um, she's talking to me about these things. And I said, you know, I I'm so glad that you go to this school, and and that you're you're getting to know people that believe in something else other than Christianity. And then she hits me with the biggest bomb, and she says, yeah, there's this one girl that is a Christian. And she's going around and she says, do you believe in God? And somebody would say, yes. Oh, well, you're a Christian. Do you believe in God? Oh, well, you're a Christian. And she says, I, I just, I was telling her, no, no, there is much more to it than that. And and I hit a debacle because, you know, there's nothing I'm more passionate about, obviously, than my own faith. And anybody, anybody can tell you, you know, religious or not, that belief in a deity does not make you a Christian. Uh, no more than going to a Christian church makes you a Christian. To become what is called a Christian, um, is, even by its original meaning, is to be Christ-like, a follower of Christ, someone who uh, you know does what Jesus does. And not very many of us, unfortunately, could be uh, accused of that these days. Lot more judgmentalism and superiority complexes than um, servant leader, you know, servanthood, and uh, the example that he gave. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, you know, obviously want to tell her that what she did was great, standing up and saying that's not what a Christian is. You know, At the same time, I, I believe. And, and again, this is going to be another one. Um, I don't argue my faith. I don't argue it. I do not argue it. I don't want to belittle it to the point that it's down to an argument where I could possibly get heated or upset. And you say, well, well, I do that all the time. It makes me a great Christian. 
Well, that's great. That's awesome. But for me, I was telling her, and I told her this. I said, sweetheart, I understand that. I think it's great that you said something, and you're right. You're absolutely right. But I said, I have never been able to win anybody over when I argue my faith. I said, I always wait till they open the door. And she kind of looked at me weird because obviously I'm talking about non-concrete concepts here and she's still working on that. But I said, well, if I were coming up to your house and I'm beating on the door and I said, you're wrong, you're wrong. You should be about Jesus. What would you do? You know, oh, I'd lock the door. I'd call the cops. Exactly. But, you know, and I told her about this gentleman and I'm going to keep it very vague because of, of his privacy. But I recently had a gentleman contact me kind of out of the blue, an atheist gentleman, but has just has some questions about why would I mean, and I, I, I can't say, say it exactly the way he said it. So I'll just say what what's coming out. But you know, why would somebody intelligent you know, how how do you believe what you believe is basically exact, I think word for word almost what he what he asked me how do you believe what you believe and I told her about that just real real quick and I said so if I had if I had gone up this guy as soon as I heard he was an atheist and said you need to be a Christian you need to stop being not a Christian blah. What would he have done? She said, yeah, he would have quit returning your emails. He would have, you know, unfriended you on Facebook. He's another crazy guy. I'm like, exactly. But now that he's opened the door, I don't have to fight. I don't have to argue. And see, when I read the Bible, I I see that we're supposed to live at peace. I see that we're supposed to share um, our faith, but we do it, you know, we share the faith that we've earned through fear and trembling and all of that speaks of of being humble and and you know uh sometimes we confuse boldness that we read about in the second chapter of acts uh with obnoxiousness and we have good intentions but we end up turning people off because we feel like we have to make some sort of impression and I think it's because we somehow confuse where the power of the gospel comes from. It's not in the telling. It's in itself. Yes, how can they hear unless we preach? Yes, 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 I understand that. But the power is not, I, let me rephrase that. The power is not in the teller. It's in the telling. How about that? That's That even sounds like what a pastor would say. How about that? It's not in the teller. It's in the telling. It's not your words. It's the fact that you are using the words that were put together thousand, you know, 2,000 years ago about what Christ did for us. And so when you share that, sometimes we think we have to uh, get God's back. We have to... Uh, defend for him. We have to have an answer for every question. And sometimes the best question, the answer you can ever give a question is, I don't know. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. I don't know. I, 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 I read it, but I don't understand it myself. So I told my daughter and explained that concept about 
the open door. And I told her this. I, I talked to her way past her bedtime. I says, here's my thing for you is obviously I have raised you and taught you about the, you know, about Christianity, about Jesus Christ, about uh, God's only son who came to the earth, died on the cross for our sins, that, that took upon himself all the sins of every person from the beginning of time to the end of time. And, and, he, and he was crushed and bruised for our iniquities, not his own, that under his own power he raised from the dead three days later, fulfilling prophecy, uh, appearing to hundreds of people. Obviously, I've, I've led her you know, this certain way. And I'm going to teach her that way. I said, but I, I'm so thrilled that you're being exposed to these other belief systems because if my belief system is the, if, if the way I believe, if the Bible, if God's way, Jesus, blah, blah, all that stuff is not the best, then I want whatever is to win. I personally believe that that is a non-issue. It's not even a scary statement to make because the religion that I believe in, the, the, the faith that I subscribe to is God, the, the creator of the universe, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one that in John 3.16 was quoted as saying he, he loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son into the world. He gave the best thing he had to, to sacrifice him for us to hang him on a tree and, and die for sins he never committed. And and just like in um, in the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, you know, uh, he, he broke the curse uh, by taking on the sin that wasn't his. And uh, I, I I believe in that. I believe that that is the thing. I believe God created the earth. I believe He created the universe. I believe all these things, and I believe that they're true. And the strength is not in my believing. The strength is in the fact that it's that I believe it's that that it's real. Uh, it, it's it it would be there whether I believed in it or not. Okay. Um, there was a, it was an old movie back in high school. I think it was Dean Koontz, horror writer type of thing. And in the movie, um, an author wrote a book that became more popular than the Bible. That outsold the Bible. Obviously, uh, you know the Bible being the Best-selling book for you know generations and generations, probably thousands of years. I don't know since they've been keeping time, track of this stuff. But because of people believing in this guy's work, his reality started taking over God's reality, and it, it was an interesting idea. Um, the re, you know fabric of reality started tearing away, and these monsters and creatures from his writing started coming out. And I don't remember much more about it than that. But that is not the way it works. God is real even if nobody believes in him. It's not like Santa Claus in, in, in Elf, one of the greatest Christmas movies ever created, uh, you know, where you, you believe in him and there's this little uh, belief uh, icon that gets, you know, goes up and, oh, man, now I can fly. It's awesome. Now I can send down rain and fire and suck people into the earth and it'll be fantastic. It's like the old days. It'll be, it'll be really great and godly time. No, it's not like that. <sighs> But I told my daughter, I'm so glad that you're being exposed and tested. I said, because I told her about gold and how gold is, is purified by heating it up, burning off all the crap. And the more it's heated and the longer it goes, the more pure it becomes. And I said, she says, yeah, because you told me, you don't think I'm making this up, but she said, you told me that kids, when they turn 18, 
She says about 75%. I said, no, 85 to 90%. She says 85 to 90% of the kids don't come back to church. I said, that's exactly right. And I said, I think it's because of two things. One being that they, they borrow their parents' faith. They're, they're told whatever they're supposed to believe and they believe it until they get out on their own. And they find that they're thinking for themselves for the first time because a lot of times we don't let our kids think for themselves, especially in religious matters, because we're afraid. Again, we're afraid in the gospel because we confuse our telling and our belief with what it actually is. It is what it is. You know, it's it's like a like a rock on a on a on a, on a sidewalk. Doesn't matter what I believe about that rock. There are certain things that are intrinsically right and true about that rock. It is in that exact location. It is spinning through space on a tiny, tiny blue planet, um, but it is staying still because a certain amount of scientific laws that I may or may not understand or even know about. But it's real, and no matter what I believe about it or not, it doesn't change the reality of what that stone. Is And when you got somebody like God, who is the, in my opinion, again, not that my opinion makes it so, the center of the entire universe, the creator and, and above and beyond the universe for that matter. Um, anyway, I can get off track. But she said that kids are, you know, she, she knows about the statistics about kids leaving uh, the church. And I said, Exactly. I said, what what happens is those kids, um, one of them is that they've borrowed their parents' faith, as I said, and I got off track. The second thing is that they, they've never seen their faith, the things that they've been taught, they've never seen it in action. They've never seen any of it come true. You know, like, like a fairy tale. If you were told about a fairy tale um, or mythology— and, you know, you you uh, put a little bit of faith in that. There's people that believe in fairies and stuff like that, I guess. There's people that worship angels and things too, I guess. But, um, you know, if you went for a while and you never saw a fairy, um, never experienced anything from the story, it would kind of confirm that it was, you know, just a load. It was just a story. And kids go up, grow up and they go to Sunday school and they go to children's church and they have all these great times. They go to VBS, they go to summer camp, they do all these things and they learn the stories. They learn about Noah, they learn about Job, they learn about Lazarus, they learn about Bathsheba, they learn about uh, David, of course, and Solomon. They, they, they learn all these you know wonderful stories, obviously um, Adam and Eve and Job and, and, um, and uh, Moses and you know everything. Everything but Lamentations and most of the Bible, uh, because you know it's it's a lot. It's a lot to put on a kid. But um, they they hear all this stuff, but then they go home to these parents who, on the outside, are Christians. But when the anger comes in, and when the guy cuts them off in traffic, and when there's somebody on the side of the road that needs help. And when there's an old lady with no umbrella and you've got three, you know, and you don't help, it's the tiny little things like that that just chip away. And especially when their family falls apart or a marriage falls apart or parents don't love each other or a hundred different things. I mean, God forbid they pray for somebody 
and they're told that if they pray that they'll get better, but they don't and they die. And then that just crunches their faith. And, and I'm giving them a lot of uh, leeway here. I'm giving a lot of benefit of the doubt because I think most kids just, they, they grew up and they're sick of it. It's just some stuff like, I hate church. I don't want to go there anymore. People were mean to me. I was judged. I couldn't go to dances. I couldn't watch movies. I couldn't dress how I wanted to dress. And I was sheltered and protected from all of the dangers, quote unquote, of the world and all this stuff. And so all I got to see were the benefits of all of the things that my parents tried to keep me from. And I never saw the consequences. And I'm not saying that we let our kids take drugs and go have sex and do all these terrible things just so that they'll know, you know, the consequences. But the problem is when we, when we keep our kids from everything, when we overprotect them, when we, when we alienate them or or, or ostracize them or, or keep them overly sheltered, we are only expressing to them and showing them um, a certain view of the things of the world. And I'm sorry, but that view is the surface view. And the surface view is awesome. The surface view of Christianity is not awesome. The surface view of Christianity seems like a bunch of things I can't do. The surface view of Christianity looks like TBN and a lot of makeup. The surface view of Christianity looks like bad movies that aren't really good, that have no point, and, and music that only talks about loving Jesus instead of things that um, we deal with in our lives. Um, but the surface of the world, even drugs and alcoholism and partying, they, it looks awesome. And it's that way by design, by the way, on both counts. If you remember... Jesus' first uh, uh, miracle was at a wedding. And what did he make? He made wine. And people trip all over the place about that. But the point is, and they've kind of missed it if they don't get this, is this. What did the guy say? What did the secular guy, the unchristian person, the person that wasn't a follower of Christ, that didn't know what was going on, what did people, what were their reactions to him? To the, to the dad, the, the feast maker here. They said, most people save, you know, they do the good wine and then they save the watered down crap. But you have saved the best for last. And that, in a nutshell, is the way Christ is just about about everything, including our life. I mean, you could sum up our whole life. In the world, the exact opposite is true. On the surface, everything looks awesome. At first, everything is wonderful. But just like bait in a trap, Though it seems great, it ultimately comes down and gets you. And I, and it's hard. I, this is a view that I still have to shake off. Is In childhood, I had this view that there was Christian church stuff and all that was good. And then the world stuff was all bad. And you know what? It's just not that clear cut. Because that assumes that everything that goes on in church is perfect and awesome. And, and has to be defended no matter what which we've seen um, or, or we have to throw away the people that taint us and, and, you know, act like they don't exist. Um, But on the world side, everything looks great. Everything is tempting and, and, and you jump into it. And then later on, I mean, you, you can watch the old VH one 
where are they now stuff. And most of the people, not all of them, but most of them are not doing too great. And, uh, you know, you look at Miley Cyrus and, and, you know, not in my opinion, doing in the opinion of most people, uh, not doing too great, you know, um, maybe doing some great music, but, uh, you know, not, not doing very well, dropping bongs out of the window and things like that. So, um, when you, the whole thing talking about just the way we can, can, can accidentally do the exact opposite of what we intend with our children when we, um, hold them so close and protect them because it comes from a desire to keep them from the things of the world. But again, all they see is the, the, the positives. And when you allow them to mix and mingle, and here's the thing, like I said, I, I didn't want to say that it means we let them do things. It means that you let them around people that do. My daughter met a girl within the first couple of days with a mom that left her. My daughter is forever changed by that and affected by that. And it's been positive because she has a deeper appreciation for her mother. And she will, whether she remembers that day or not. She will always, always treasure her mother just a little bit more because before that, she didn't even know that moms were optional. And to be honest, I don't even know that I understood that because usually the dads are the optional ones, aren't they? They're the ones that leave and the moms stay. How crazy is it to hear that a mom would leave? Oh, you know. So my wife benefits and my daughter benefits because she becomes that, that becomes added to her permanent record. Her hard drive, so to speak, gets written and it says, I am never going to leave my kid. And then she has to add to that. Well, if, it, if I'm not going to leave my kid, it means I can't leave her dad. And if I can't leave her dad, it means I better know who the freak I'm marrying and on and on and on. Just taking a whole lot of time to say Something And I guess the reason why I'm doing it is because it means so much to me. But I told her this. I said, when you hit 18 and when you leave and you go out to try your wings, two things. I hope, first, I hope that you will have seen enough of what we believe in our lives and have, have having seen it had an impact in your family. And the way that we believe and the way we live as a result of that, I hope you will see that there's a realness and a, and a value to it. Um, obviously, I, I hope you have a living relationship with Christ. I said, but my honest to God hope is that your faith will be tried. Not at 18, but now. You know, I hope you'll hear the stories and listen to somebody try to win you over to their faith. And I hope you'll test your faith because the Bible talks about the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. And I told her again about the, the purifying process and that we're supposed to test our faith. Not, not test God. But the trying of our faith is precious. It's precious. More precious. And nobody does that anymore. Not really. We we protect our kids. And we should. But the Bible doesn't say keep them, you know, in a box or keep them in a little microcosm. It says train up a child in the way she should go. Or he. 
That way, when they're old, they will not depart from it. And I said, you know, my hope for you is that you will grow and you will become a better Christian, better Christ follower than, than any of us. That You will do the things I can't even handle doing. Um, and, and, and that I hope that it will be yours. It'll be your faith, not mine. And I'm glad <laughs> again, that you're, that you're bumping into these people. I really am thrilled about it. Cause I've seen one too many Christian schooled, homeschooled, you know, even public schooled, but, but still, you know, over sheltered, over protected and they get out under from underneath their parents, you know, help or, or watchfulness or protectiveness and they go absolutely nuts. They get wide eyed and they go out there, they get knocked up or they knock somebody up. They, they start drinking and carousing. You see their pictures on Facebook start changing. And I've seen it. I've seen it in the kids that I taught in children's church. Luckily, nobody blames me because I was, they blame the youth pastor. <laughs> the youth pastor also gets the blame when they turn out really great. Um, and I, I actually know enough to know that you blame the parents um, when that happens. But um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just want her to, to do great. And she looks at me and she has this way where she's not ashamed or she doesn't know to be to say these profound things, you know. I guess it's just the innocence of childhood. But she says, but she knows what she's saying because she knows I struggle with not being a paid minister, you know. And she says, uh, she says, if this doesn't count as a sermon, I don't know what does. And and uh, and I tried to try to blow it off, you know. Yeah, but you know, well, I'm just talking. It's just us talking. That's all we do. We've always done this, just talking. She goes, as I'm walking out the door. Let me see. I wrote it down. I would be, I'd be doing a, a disservice. She says, "I love it when we have these talks." She says, "It's like having church every day." <laughs> and I says, "Baby, if it was church, I said, you know, if 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 we had a group of kids, and I was talking like this, nobody would listen." And she kind of gets this hurt look on her face. So it wasn't a statement about what she said. It was a statement of fact. They said, well, there's, there's no uh, puppets or music and, you know, all the things you have to do to trick a kid into listening. I said, that's why it's my job to teach you. That's why it says parents train up a child. Because I, I was a children's pastor. Did it for a long time and I learned a lesson. And when that lesson is that parents don't teach their kids ballet they have a ballet teacher for that they don't teach them football they have a coach and they don't teach them about god like they should it's because they have a children's pastor to do that that's the only negative thing about the rise of the children's pastor and the children's ministry is it gives the american mindset you know it just gives them a break and says you don't have to do this somebody else is handling it for you and and there's a lot of parents that do. There's a lot of parents that overdo. 
There's a lot of parents that want to and don't know how. And then there's parents that don't and don't care. Because <laughs> they got a fishing boat or something they got to do. But as I was leaving, right after she said, it's like church every day. Um, she, she hollered out a little louder so I'd hear it as I was going down the hall. She says, it keeps me going. And um, I don't know, even know what to do with that. But it's an awesome thing to hear from your nine-year-old daughter. And I do have a vision of her in the future. I can see what she's going to be. It's not that I'm a prophet or anything. I think, you know, maybe most parents have a, a, a view of what their kids can be. And maybe sometimes it's, you know, relegated to a, a certain type of um, job or career choice. I don't, I don't see that in my future view. I just see her being an improved and taller version of who she already is. So I think one of the reasons kids leave Christianity is because they, they somehow grow up believing that what they are isn't acceptable to God. We're, we're told we're sinners. And though we are, that kind of teaching though is, is necessary in, in, in some ways we have to balance it out with the message that God sent his son, his one and only son, the best thing he had in the universe, he sent for sinners. So sinners, yes, you're a bad sinner, bad sinner, bad, bad, but you were redeemed by what God paid for you. I used to do a little thing in children's church at this camp. I told the story of of a, a projector I bought for thirty dollars at a at a you know garage sale and then I got on eBay to sell it. I, I wasn't trying to make any money. I just wanted to you know maybe make fifty bucks or something. I sold that thing for three hundred fifty dollars and I pooped my pants and I got my first iPad or iPod. Sorry, I think it was a fifth generation iPod. Um, not with the one with the screen, the one with those circle thing, but I still have it. Just won't hold a charge. But the point being is I would say, what was it worth? Was it worth $30 or was it worth $350? And they said, yeah, it was worth what the guy paid for it. You just didn't even know. And I said, exactly. We're not, we may be sinners. We may be worthless. You may feel worthless. You may feel like nobody loves you. But you're worth what God paid for you. So, you know, if we're sinners, then then sinners are are highly prized individuals. It is not a phrase that should be shouted down at people. It is the the spiritual equivalent of. Uh, a, a grand prize winner because if you're a sinner you're eligible for the greatest gift 
God, the creator of the universe, could give, and that is forgiveness and purpose and everlasting life. It's a pretty sweet deal, sinner. Uh, it's like um, freaking, I just got through listening to the audiobook of, uh, uh, what's the arrow lady? <laughs> Um, catching fire and you know mocking Jay and all that, and Senna Senna was the uh, person that took care of Katniss Everdeen's you know hair and makeup and all that, and I always thought of Senna Senna Senna. Anyway, well, I hope this has been enjoyable. The um this the thing that I mentioned at the beginning that I said I might not mention, I did mention, and that was. Uh, a reference to the individual listener who um, has has tapped on the door and opened it and, and uh, has um, asked for my opinion on some things and 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 I I will tell you, I will say this that I'm I'm uh, I am I am scared and I shouldn't be but what, here's the reason why I'm scared is because I'm not going to prep for my response he 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 sent me an audio. Um, question with some background on his religious, you know, heritage and all this or lack of, or, you know, whatever it was. And, um, he just, he hit record and he just said it, you know, and I think I owe him the same and, uh, we'll see what comes out. It's not that I'm thinks he, you know, it's not that I don't think he's worth preparing for, I just think it'd be more real. I think he would appreciate it more and it would become more legit if I just did what I just did just now. And hopefully it won't be an hour long. So, um, I don't know. The takeaway here for me is I'm, I'm glad that, that the world is trying to have an influence on my kid. Now, some of you might be saying, well, you, you may not be one day, boy. you know what? But here's the thing. If I do my job, if I trust in the Lord with all my heart and I lean not on my own understanding. And if I, if, if in my ways that I live my life, I acknowledge, I, I prove, I show that Christ is real. Then I believe he will make the path straight, not just for me, but for those that I am in charge of. I am, I am, I will stand before God someday. I truly believe this one thing. My stepdad said that I do agree with that. I will stand before God one day and I will be asked just like anybody, you know, a rich man will be asked about what he did with his gold, but I'm going to be asked. I gave you Jenna and Jay. Gave them to you, and you, you know, were supposed to do this, this, and this. What, what have they become? And I will be held accountable to that. And I look forward to being able to say they became what you wanted them to be, and they did it because they chose it. Not because it was forced on them, not because it was guilt tripped into them, not because it was the only option available to them. They saw it all and they 
even experience some of it. And and in those early years, they you know, or those early adult years, maybe they even slipped up and did a few stupid things like we all did. But at the end of the day, when it came down to it, they didn't stray but so far because they knew what was true. And though they flirted with the other side, though they flirted with doing things their own way, they knew in their hearts it was just foolishness because they had seen in their family's life that the right way, God's way, was the best way. And hopefully they do all that before they run up their credit and get pregnant or get somebody else pregnant. Uh, cause they, they had some stupid parents, my kids, they, they did. Um, but, but we do okay now. I, I hope you've enjoyed this is if this is anything that is uh sparked a conversation in you, sometimes I get responses from folks and they're like, you know, we don't have to agree to, to, you know, agree that this, this, and this, and that's awesome. I love those things, but I also would love to know what we don't agree about. And, um, and again, you've heard me say I'm not going to debate it. If it gets close to debate time, I'm out because I don't have the energy or the desire. I never did, even on my best day. But especially in in Depression Day, I ain't got no, you know, no none of that. But you know, to to express because because everything I believe anymore has a story and has a reason, and it's and it starts with a scripture and it ends with an experience and a response from a deity from the deity actually um so anyway email me if you want to i don't know that i ever mentioned that but the email is james at nlcast.com you can call me 2095 nlcast 2095 nlcast that's the voicemail and uh the email and i would love to hear from you and uh, any any topics that you would like to hear me harp on, I would also love to hear that as well. If you have questions, just straight up questions that you would like me to include in uh, my recordings, ask them. You know, um, it's not like you uh, need my sage advice. Maybe it's just you're like, I, bl- I want to know what you believe about this so that later on I can get really upset with you and quit listening to you altogether. I don't know. What are you going to do, man? And men and mem, um, it is twelve o'clock here, and with that, um, it is ten twenty nine oh oh four fourteen, and I will take my leave. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and being offended.